it's your girl, Chanae Ogwamake. And I am Lisa Leslie, and this is Front and Center. We do it with our own little flavor, right? We do it with our own little seasoning, right, Lisa? Well, you know I'm seasoning, and you are what? Flavor. So we will be what? Front, Front and Center. center. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Lise? How you doing? How was your week? Girl, I don't know. I feel like I've been reflecting a lot this week. I feel like, I don't know, 2020 has been a doozy. When you think about, you know, losing Kobe, just the tragedy. So many people have passed away that didn't die from COVID. I'm just saying just like celebrity and people who passed away, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have COVID. I mean, we've really been like in the house board and the house board, you know, like just locked up for so long. And then uh, the hurricanes coming through, the fires in California. I don't know. I'm just like 2020, the election. Like there's so much that's like pressure and things that we have to deal with day to day. And then add on top of that, girl, homeschooling. I don't know. What's the status? What's the state of homeschool? Actually, homeschool is going really well, but it's a lot of work because I have to manage my children and they got into the, like the first week they thought it was like, oh, homeschool. Cool. I only got to do two hours. Like, no sis, let's count the hours. Kids are in school for seven hours, right? Seven and a half hours. So you're not done in two hours just because you did two classes. Like, let's get it cracking. We got to read a book. Like we got to do some math. Like I really have to teach them how to study. You know what I mean? Like take notes because they can read a passage. And then you could take a short, like, it's not necessarily the word exam, but it is a a test. Mm -hmm. They take tests to their assignments. But now you don't remember what you read because you didn't take any notes. You're skipping a step. So I had to teach them almost like you're in college because you have to read an assignment. You need to take notes on that. You need to study your notes and then you take your test. And so it's been different, but, ooh, I'm tired. (laughs) What did you, I know, like, what did you do this week for you, though? Oh, honestly, I took off. I didn't play any tennis this week only because I got my hair straightened. And you know how it is. You only get to have straight hair for one week. And just so. like for, yeah, that hair, Lisa, is flawless. <laughs> Girl, she's straight today, but I, that's it because I'm going to go play tennis tomorrow. <laughs> so my hair will not be straight anymore. It will go back to its natural state, which we know what that is. Wait, but like, let me not pry too much, but you know, I'm a disorder. Hmm. That's all you, right, Lisa? Like beautiful part in the middle, silky straight, full. That's all you, right? You ask me that all the time. What you want me to show you? In the middle of my head? Oh, girl. What you want to see? I was going to say, bend, bend, bend the head over. Let me see. I believe you. You want proof? What you want me to do, Shanae? I don't know what that, to tell you, I girl. mean, that is proof because I can tell your thumb is still hitting your scalp as you, what run, you, want, me to, you run across What you want me to do for you? <laughs> yes, sis. Let me stop. One of these days, we're going to do a... um. We do a hair show. We should. And I could talk about all the things that I've done to really help grow my hair out. So tell me this. What have you been doing this week? Other than working, girl, because when you see I've been sending you texts, I'm like, I girl, I see it. you. I hear you. You helped me out with my little football stuff I had for uh, my show. Uh, speaking of it, I've been in football. You know what's funny? Because like, there's been so many the last few years when people talk about football. They're like, oh, like, are you going to watch? Are you going to support? And, you know, I grew up in Texas. And so it was a part of our culture growing up. And so now I am like diving full fledged in. Like I have a fantasy team. Lamar Jackson yeah. is my starting quarterback. My backup quarterback is Cam Newton. So I found myself. What? Countless- you didn't pick Russ? Ah, yeah. Oversight. Oversight. I should have. But Dude. like I'm going. You should have called me now. You know I know football. See, you're right. That is true. That is true. But I chose Cam just because it was like I saw him once a couple years ago. And I was mesmerized. So, like, for mm. my backup QB, also, you know, being in New England, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm rooting for a comeback player like myself. Absolutely. So, anyways, long story short, I've been diving into football. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. Like, I'm loving it. Um, but I didn't know that, like, Sundays, it's like from sun up on the West Coast to sundown. It's oh, fun. yeah. <laughs> it's football over here. We got wings and everything. I like prepare dinner in, in advance for Sunday's oh, football. I love tonight. football. I love NFL football the most. Now, college football, I'm in and out. I mean, I keep up a little bit. I, I love the playoffs, but uh, NFL, yep. I'm, I'm down Same week here. one. So Same here. You it's know, been it, so good. That is funny. But, you know, it's been a long week, and I agree, like, 
the weight of it just hits different every other day. You mentioned it to start. Like Kobe was tough. Chadwick Boseman was tough. Ruth Bader mm-hmm. Ginsburg is tough. It feels mm-hmm. like we don't get a break, which is why like having you having our support systems through it all, just to like, mm-hmm. be like, what is going on? But then give each other strength is so important, which is why I'm so excited about today because we get to talk about those support systems, but in particular, we got to talk about relationships, not just romantic relationships, Lisa, but all types of relationships. And one of my favorite, and I can't believe I'm going to have to say this because I'd never say it to him in person because that's just how we roll. Tough love. Uh, I'm so excited yeah. that today we're going to talk to my very good friend, Emmanuel Acho, about friendships between men and women. Because a lot of times people, like you meet a lot of people saying, you can never be friends with a man. You know, if you're a woman, you can never be friends. Like it doesn't work. Well, it's working for us. And Emmanuel's had yeah. such great success with his uncomfortable conversations with a black man. Mm-hmm. I've seen him, his life sort of go from zero to 100 overnight based on like him sharing his truth and communicating so many great things. So I'm so excited that we're going to talk about the relationships, the support systems, and we'll get to talk with him as well. Well, we're going to get into a lot of things. And I think it's friendships that are healthy, but also relationships. What's a healthy relationship? We'll talk a little bit about my relationship. And we'll talk a little bit about yours. Goals. And I, I like Emmanuel Acho. I mean, I, I know that you guys are both Nigerian, but I think it's really interesting watching him on television. And I'm really hoping that he peels back the layer when we get a chance to talk to him and not, I don't want to see the television Emmanuel Acho. I want to see Emmanuel when he gets home, when he's relaxed and what you guys' relationship's really about. Please, like I try to get him ready. I hit him up over the weekend and I told him, hey, I'm gonna need you to keep it real. Keep it 100. Like, I need you to keep, I think you might. I think you might. Well, I look forward to that. And we're going to talk about it when we come back. All right, Shanae, this week we are going to be talking about friendships. We're going to be talking about relationships and not necessarily, you know, the intimacy of it at all, but really the foundation of friendships and relationships and how we manage those, how we deal with platonic relationships. And can a man and a woman really be friends without benefits? Look, okay, (laughs) I still have this book. Where is it? You and your husband are goals. And I read this book, Women Have All the Power, oh my God. Too Bad They Don't Know It. Now, I read it and it was so illuminating. It was so enlightening. And Wait, bring the book back because then you got to say that that book was written by who? Oh, I'm sorry. I, why did I not say it? That's why I brought it up. Written by your husband, Michael J. Lockwood. Shout out to Vivica A. Fox with the foreword. But I remember yeah. you gave this to me probably in 2016. This is when I was coming back from my microfracture surgery and you were mm-hmm. in LA and you really helped me through that very difficult time. But like basketball was just like, okay, you're going to be fine. I know you're going to be fine. Like what's going on with your personal life? And you and your husband have been such a great influence. Cause sometimes like when your parents say it, it doesn't hit right. Right. But when you hear it from <laughs> your family, from your mentors, you're like, Oh, you right. You right. So I know we're going to talk about friendships um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, different forms of relationships, but I, I want to start with yours because you and your husband, Michael, have been, you know, such great influences over me and giving me the right perspective when it comes to just relationships, period. How to interact mm-hmm. with someone you're close with, you know, whether it's a friend or your boyfriend or, you know, however the situation is, whoever you choose or your husband, you know, when it comes to me. So you've been married for 15 years, Lise, and I'm clearly still, still dating. So I want to put you on the hot seat before we get to everything else. When it comes to relationships, what made you realize that this is the man that I want to marry? Like, that's such a big decision. And I know it starts with a strong foundation. What was that starting point for you to understand that? I think really recognizing that we were equally yoked. So here's like, I'm getting really deep here, but I was tired of dating and tired of trying to like bring guys to like, Christ, really, like trying to make sure that they know the Lord and have their own relationship. 
So that was probably number one, that Michael was uh, a member of the church. Like he was like doing lights and sound or something at his church. I was also at a point where I was like, no representative. Like I was introduced to him. So I didn't meet Michael face to face. His friend introduced us who gave him my phone number. He called me twice. I didn't answer the phone. The third time he left a message like, look, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but the least you could do is call a brother back. And I laughed. (laughs) I laughed out loud because you know how silly I am. I love to laugh. I think just being really honest and real from day one and the relationship he has with God, his level of integrity, being a man of his word and how he treats me is just, that was it. I knew that Michael was going to be my husband because he had the necessary qualities and like you were talking about, um, you know, qualities in a relationship or building on a relationship is very important, you know, when it comes to foundation. And I felt like his foundation of who he is and the foundation, I already know who I am. That's one thing we got to remember when you're dating, you already know you, you got to stop talking so much and listen to see what he's saying about himself. And then what are the people around him saying about him? And everyone was just, you know, so positive about who he is as a man and I was just listening and I was just watching and his, his actions really backed him up. And I was like, yep, he's a keeper. Okay. So you, you are speaking <laughs> to my soul and it's kind of annoying because I was in like a situation where I was like, okay, I really like this guy. The timing isn't working. And one thing he's told me repeatedly is like, when a man tells you something, listen to him. Don't try mm-hmm. to date who he is to become, date who he is and telling you who he is in real time. You've told Absolutely. me that bar multiple times. And once you hear that, you're like, okay, like I can't push myself on him. I need to see Mm -hmm. him for who he is. And that's what you've told me. And that's what got me out of whatever the word is, entanglement or confusion or whatever, (laughs) just moving on to, like you said, not being 50-50 and being a hundred with yourself and with the other person. That person should keep that same energy, be a hundred with you. But I know the last few months, It's been so hard. But how have you and Michael been able to, during this unprecedented time, been able to just keep that spark alive and also keep that foundation strong? Like, what have you guys done? You know what I think for Michael and I, I think we're very similar people. And sometimes people will tell you things like opposites attract. Opposites may attract, but I don't know that they stay. And I feel like Michael and I, I even said this the day of our wedding, I feel like we're the same person. He's just like, oh boy, a male version of me. But I think the other thing that we've realized is that through our love language, I don't know if you've heard of that book, The Five Love Languages, I highly recommend it. Um, My love language is affection. So I'm very affectionate. I'm a touchy person. By me wanting to receive more affection, I give it. And so by me giving it, I'm just like, I'm not waiting for him. I just, I'm just am. So I'm somewhere holding hands or we're walking or we're, we're together in a way that I like because I'm affectionate. His love language is more of an action. So he's getting stuff done. You know, he's checking off the list, which is great because in some forms, he's a, he's a doer, you know what I mean? He's a giver. And in that, um, I recognize the way that he loves, babe, thank you for washing my car. And thank you for, you know, all of the things that he does to that shows his love. And I recognize that and I'm able to praise him for that. I think the third thing is, is just during quarantine, you just start to really realize either you're going to make it or you're not. And I think we realize like that is my husband and we're going to make it like we are made to be together and we survive these moments. And I think I really realized it more when he started to do the things that I usually do, like going to get the groceries. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? Babe, what, what do you want? What do you, what do you need from the store? Like, because I don't want you in the stores because if something's going to happen, I want it to happen to me and not you. Like, that's love, right? Like, you can't really ask for that. That's just like the way a person loves and protects you in a way that you're willing to risk your life before me and the kids risk ours. And so I think during the pandemic, you just, you understand how, what your roles are. You understand more as a family, what's most important to you. But you also understand that at the end of the day, it just comes down to like love. Like I really love my husband and he really loves me and we going to be together. Like, <laughs> you know, and I think when you're first married, you don't know. Cause you know, you hear people talk about divorce. You hear like, if it ain't working out, you hear people talking slick. Like that's just not who I am. I'm not going to talk crazy to my husband. Like that's my best friend and love should feel good and happy. 
that's what I feel. And so the date nights, whether we get to now just go on a walk or do a movie and make popcorn, like that's a big deal. That's my form of a love because I get to be affectionate and it's his because it's an act of like sitting still so I can be next to him maybe. I don't know, but it's been, um, it's been awesome to realize that you really are with the person that God intended for you to be with. Amen. You know? And it, it just works. Amen. You know, it's funny. You talk about what you guys do. I remember my one day night in quarantine. I was very grateful because like, a lot of times part of this younger generation, like I just get so mad looking at like the videos on social, people still going out and having parties and doing so much. And I'm like, yeah. come on guys, like we got to take care of one another. So for mm -hmm. like the guy in quarantine to like say, we're not going out. I've been isolated for two weeks just so I can see you, you know, yeah. no stops on the way here. Let's just sit and watch <laughs> the office. And like, I don't know this show, but it's kind of funny, but I'm here to sit yeah. with you. Like to make those type of efforts, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. That's sweet, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But it makes me think like, you know, when you talk about marriage, you guys are a team and it's awesome to see. But is there something that you wish you knew going into marriage that you were like, whoa, like this, I wish I knew this because I would be more ready to handle that. Is there something that you're like, this is what I've taken. I wish I knew that before. Honestly, I didn't really know if you could really be in love with one person, like the same person. Just the thought of like being really in love with somebody and being in a relationship for 15 years seemed like, you know, I don't know. I really like love it. And I really think that it's possible. And I didn't know that it could be possible before being married. And then you used to always hear people say, like, I love you more today than I did the day we got married. And like, what does that mean? But that's like really true. Like you're so much more in love with the person because of the character, because of the integrity, because of how they treat you, because how they are during tough times. Like, not that we've had any like major, you know, tough times, but just the person, the consistency, maybe that's what I should say. It's almost like a teammate. I mean, when you really think about a good teammate, Janae, mm -hmm. any teammate from any team that you think of that was like, oh, that was one of my favorite teammates, it's because they're consistent, because they show up, because they're honest because they're doing their best and they may fail. Sometimes they're going to miss shots. They're going to not do things right. But it's that consistency of a person in your life that's really genuinely rooting for you and cheering for you when you're doing well. That That's what my husband is for me. He's a genuine teammate that supports me, that loves me, that wants to see me do great. And will also tell me when I'm not, usually only if I ask though. <laughs> so he didn't hurt my feelings, but if I'm like, babe, what did you think? Yeah, no, I didn't like that. You know, he'll, he'll keep move. it real with me. He doesn't volunteer the like, information. Right, right. And then if you give, if your feelings hurt, it's like, well, why'd you ask me? Right, right. Oh man. But that's really a beautiful thing, Lisa. Uh, you know, I, I just have one more question when it comes to like actual relationships, dating, marriage, and all that type of stuff. You've been so helpful, you know, in helping me understand when a situation is something I should just like, you put your effort, you know, you should just let go. Like you're, you're mm -hmm. doing yourself a disservice at that point. You know, you're in a super successful relationship, but you don't, you didn't get there without saying no and, and saying like, you know what, I'm going to end this other situation. How do you distinguish those situations you should end so that you can find the situation that is really your beginning? A few things. One is that respect. If respect is gone, the relationship is over. And that's with men or women. Like, any relationship, if respect is gone, that's it. I'm done. I give a relationship my all. I told my husband when we first met, I said, my strength and my weakness is the same is that I love hard. Like I love people. I love my friends. I love my husband. I love my children. I'm, I'm a lover. But in that sometimes as being a giver, people can take from you and they cut you wrong, mm -hmm. right? So respect is really important. And that is when I feel disrespected, whether it's language and how you talk, that's not acceptable because I'm not going to disrespect you. I believe it's important for us to watch our tongue and how we speak to people. So I'm never going to be disrespectful because I feel like you can't really recover from that. Anything has to do with lack of respect, I'm out. But I also think that you know when you're in a relationship that you chose versus a relationship that God chose for you. And that's, again, pretty deep. But when you're in a relationship that you got to force anything. That's not the relationship for you. So then you start to ask yourself, what is it about you that's so insecure that you need to stay in a relationship that hurts? Mm. And so for me, I'm all about the relationship that feels good to me, 
that when you see me, you feel happy and you smile and I see you, you know what I'm saying? It's just like when you talk to your best friend on the phone, you talk to your homegirl, you know, when I talk to girl, we start laughing and we kick in. It's a good time. We may have moments where it's like, Liz, look, I need to tell you this, or look, that wasn't really cool what you did. Those are those moments that you have, but it's not disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? It's supportive, it's love. And so relationships should feel good. Yes, did my husband and I have disagreements? The worst is going to get is like, okay, babe, I understand what you're saying. We just disagree. That's it. Your relationship should be able to be like your teammate out on the court playing ball. Like it should be a smooth relationship. People are watching us all the time. And you know, people watch the bench, how you hit other people's yep. hands, how you laugh or don't laugh, how you, if you cover your head with the towel, it's a relationship. It should be a relationship that can be on display no matter where you are. You don't have to be a celebrity. It should be a healthy relationship. And I believe in healthy relationships. And if it's not healthy, it's time to go. Yes. You know, it's funny. You bring up, you know, the bench and also like starting lineup. Let's talk about the supporting cast because we already covered the idea of relationships and that person that is your person. But there's so many other people that really help you stay in balance and friends matter. And for me, like I don't have many friends. It it, mm-hmm. it just is better for me to have a few that really understand me and my grind. And I feel like I'm not like spread too thin. Like, okay, you call me and I don't answer. Like they already know what it is. It's not like, oh, like there's a, there's a gap, you know? Pressure. Yeah, exactly. There's no questions when it comes to it. So friendship is super tricky because I feel like with each friend, there are so many different expectations based on each friendship, you know, like you know when you're dating someone, you're like, oh, you go all out, you're 100%, like you're dating that person. Because even now, like in the climate that we're in, we don't say we're dating you until you date. So if you find someone you actually are claiming, that's like, okay, checked off the list. But for friends, especially now, it's a different situation. How would you say that us as friends should maintain healthy relationships? Because I've struggled at points, like, because it's always a give and take. Like you want to give your friend enough of you, but at the same time, you want your friend to give back that same energy. And that's why mm-hmm. I keep a few that understand that. But it's just mm-hmm. very difficult to balance. And then you throw in the wrench of like, all right, like I'm a woman, friend that's a man. And I was talking to a guy who said, oh, I don't want you to have any male friends. I'm like, what? Like, come on now. So as soon as some guy starts trying to control who your friends are and all that, that's a definite red flag because... You have to be confident in who you are. Like I tell my husband, nobody's putting no gun to your head about dating me and me dating you. Like it's not going to be that. Now, if you're saying we're in a relationship, I do remember, in fact, when my husband and I were going on a date, when we were dating, because I believe in dating multiple people. I think dating is should be just that dating. That does not mean intimacy. But I was dating my husband and I was dating this other guy. I was in the car with my husband. He wasn't my husband at the time, of course. The phone rang and I answered the phone and I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey, it's me. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know who it is. I can't talk right now. And he's like, no, it's me. I said, I know. I can't talk right now. I said, okay, I'll call you later. Got off the phone. But my husband now in the car, he's like, you know, it's about time for you to end all these relationships. It's time for you to shut it down. And I'm like, oh, is it? Why is that? He was like, because we're going to be dating, like exclusively. I'm like, oh, okay, you ready? All right. I appreciate that because until you decide and I decide that we're going to be exclusive, you should be dating. That's healthy. Now, once they decide that it's going to be exclusive, you should not necessarily keep dating other people, but you cannot tell me don't have male friends. Like, no, bye with that. To also speak to this time and the difficulty of managing social relationships, I just have to ask you, Elise, because... Right now we're in a time where we have so many questions and like people are going through learning situations and I'm excited to talk to Acho because he can sort of break this down. We're having to communicate what our experiences are like, you know, particularly as black people, as women, you know, as diverse people, you know, as what people, you know, generally in this country haven't really understood for such a long time. So like throughout this period, what have you experienced, you know, with your friends that has helped you maintain those friendships when they're trying to figure out like themselves out. Like, have I been acting in a way that is not, you know, most comfortable for you or your family? Like, how have you been experiencing friendships in this time with people that are now just getting caught up on their learning curve to a lot of our experiences in general? Two things when it comes to friendships. One, I don't have high expectations because I don't like to put pressure on people. And I don't like that people put pressure on me. 
I'm not a big phone person. You know how I am. Come on over to the house yep. and let's cook. Let's play some games. <laughs> That's my zhuzh. Like everybody's welcome to come over to the house. But me being on the phone, you know, I'll shoot you a text. I'm thinking about you. I pray for people. You know, I send out messages of prayer and I do those types of things. But I feel like sometimes with certain friends, it becomes a, oh, I haven't heard from you lately. And that becomes a little bit more difficult because I don't like for you to feel like you should hear from me because if you're thinking about me, then go ahead and pick up the phone. Like, I think we should lower our expectations of everybody because we're so busy and sometimes we're too busy. Like, I feel like sometimes with social media and with everything we have going on, it's like, oh my gosh, we just need to take a nap. (laughs) So I try not to put pressure on people. I don't go by, I haven't heard from you. Cause you know, I got love in my heart. And most of the people that know me that have my phone number in their phone know that I have love for them, that I love them. And I try to communicate those on random times, not just on like happy mother's day, happy holidays. That's not me. I'm not really big on trying to just send out these mass texts on days of holidays. I'm like very random with, I'm praying for you, sis, lifting you up. Continue blessings. Call me when you can. But what about the text, though, like the last few months about like, hey, checking on you because I'm just starting to understand what you go through day to day in this country. You know, like those texts from maybe, you know, our white sisters or brothers or whoever it is that have reached out and just saying like, oh, like I'm thinking of you, especially now during this time. How have you dealt with that in your friendships? And also the responsibility to educate because that's tough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I honestly say I appreciate it because I have had that from at least, without exaggeration, probably 12 of my white friends that I love, that I break bread with, that I call a friend. And I just appreciate them reaching out because I think it takes, I'd rather see you reach out or if you're on social media, post something. Because I'm telling you, I have unfollowed a few people where I'm like, girl, you still over here talking about makeup? Really? Like, I need to know that you are an ally and that you stand with us and you understand what we're going through. So I have really appreciated it from even my my celebrity white sisters, like a lot of people that have reached out, just letting me know that they love me. They know that they like that they basically ride for me if I had to just put it in like paraphrase. Like, (laughs) and I appreciate you reaching out. But here's what I need for you to do. Use your voice and your platform. Like, don't stay silent about it just because you can reach me directly. Like, I need for your platform. When I look at it, it should be saying something of substance that can help for people to understand that this moment of injustice is, like, super unacceptable. And we need more voices and more help. A word. (laughs) A word. This is why you're my friend. Right, You teach me how to be a better friend. (laughs) Hey. No pressure. All you got to do is be you. That's what I say. You know? You're right. Be you. Have a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Faith certainly helps. Yeah. And respect. R-E-S-P-C-T. We're going to be right back. So when we come back, we're going to have a special guest with us. Stay tuned. Y'all, I am so excited because we have a very special guest, I guess. (laughs) He's a former linebacker for the Cleveland Browns and the Eagles. He's currently an analyst at Fox Sports. Welcome to Front and Center. Welcome to our show, Emmanuel Acho. This summer, he launched in an awesome series, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. You know, just in watching that first, it was very powerful. So smart to even come up with sort of that topic. Did that birth of the uncomfortable conversation come from all of these social unrest? Or was that something sort of that you already had in the making? And then it was like, you know what, the timing is now. Really good question. Um, First off, Lisa, pleasure to be with you. Janae, hello. No, uh, the Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, it came out of immense confusion. It came out of being distraught. It came out of an internal pain that I didn't know how uh, to express it. After the murder of George Floyd, Lisa, I was just like, I have to do something. And Chanae and I talked several times over the course of those days before the first episode. 
I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I'm a sports analyst. At least that's what the world perceives me as. But before I'm a sports analyst, I realized, wait, I'm a black man. And even before that, I'm a human being. And so I said, I have a responsibility on this earth far beyond talking about LeBron James highlights or Patrick Mahomes uh, lofty passes. I have a responsibility to speak about society. And so Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man was birthed out of a desire to help mend the racial divide in our nation. It's really a beautiful thing. And to watch you like go in the middle of quarantine pandemic, try to find a place that would shoot. And you did it the safe way. You have a small team. I've always known how dope you are. I never tell you, but to see the rest of the world find out, because I've been telling so many people for so long, like, yo, he works so hard. And I always say this, and Lisa knows this, we grind in the darkness, hoping that our work will come to the light and for it to not happen through sports, but through something that is super meaningful. It's been really awesome. And I see the product placement behind you with your books that are soon, <laughs> soon going to product be sold. Placement. Product placement. I see you. I see you. But it, nice. it's been a really beautiful thing to see that whole, you know, process going. And, and, you know, the coolest part to me was like, okay, who you got next? Like, what you got next? <laughs> and, and one of the biggest ones, obviously, was, you know, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, who a lot of people have have different perceptions of him. We see him as commissioner, not necessarily as Mr. Goodell Roger. And so you were able to strip that down. Super fun. I'm, you know, born and raised, you know, in Texas. You are a part of Texas. And, and to get Matthew McConaughey on there, you have Chip and Joanna Gaines. Is there like someone that you engaged with during this time that you're like, whoa, this is kind of cool. But is there some experience that you've had during this time with these influential people as well that you've learned something really special? I think I've learned that a lot of people care and they have the emotions of caring. They're just not sure how to express that emotion. After the first episode, I wasn't doing this to pop. Like I was genuinely doing this because I felt obligated to. I think there's a difference between your calling and your career. And uncomfortable conversations with a black man, it was my calling. So after the first episode, Matthew McConaughey called me. Like that's what people don't realize. Me and McConaughey, we're not cool like that. At least we weren't. Um, I got a call from a no caller ID number. And I always pick up no caller ID number calls because it's either really good or it's really bad. Again, the only three people that have called me no caller ID, McConaughey, Oprah, and Roger Goodell. So I'm three for three right now. <laughs> I get a call at eight o'clock and all I hear is Acho McConaughey speaking. I'm like, M McConaughey is in Matthew McConaughey. He's like, uh, yeah, I'd like to have a conversation. And so that happens. And then after that, Jennifer Aniston, she had messaged me. Reese Witherspoon, she had posted the clip. Dwayne Wade had shared it on his page, Jada Pinkett. That was the one you freaked out the most about. Really? The only two people that would really starstruck me are Denzel and Will Smith. Everybody else is human, right? But like those two people are a little more immortal to me. And so Jada Pinkett was like as close as I could get to William. <laughs> Ultimately, we're all people. We're all just trying to make this world a better place. At least that's the hope. That's the goal. Um, but I have been able to communicate and to share uh, bandwidth and brainwaves with a lot of these other people. You know, when I was watching, and some of them are outstanding, I did see Matthew McConaughey's uh, interview, and I was just curious, did anybody really feel genuinely uncomfortable? Good question. The, um, so I will say yes and no. The no is that, Lisa, it, I don't necessarily want myself to feel uncomfortable. I don't even necessarily want the guest to feel uncomfortable. But as I look at mm -hmm. things from a tripod, Either the viewer will feel uncomfortable, the guest will feel mm -hmm. uncomfortable, or I will feel uncomfortable. That is the, mm -hmm. not dichotomy, but I guess trichotomy, if that's a word, of it all. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was talking to the beautiful black girl named Story, she was adopted from Haiti and her parents were both white. Her parents, Jamie and Aaron Ivy, had adopted two black children from Haiti named Story uh, and her brother named Amos a biracial adoption. Um, so there was a biracial sibling as well. And then there was their own natural son. I asked Story, the beautiful black 12-year-old girl, I said, do you wish the people raising you were black? That's a pretty uncomfortable question with your mom sitting yes. right there. Because mind you, 12-year-olds, they don't really know how to lie. At least they don't know how to lie well. So we was going to get a real answer. I asked Amos, the 15, I believe, uh, maybe 14-year-old son, black son, I said, after witnessing the murder of George Floyd at the hands of white people, are you scared of your white parents? And he said he paused for a second and he thought about it, but he said no. And then I said, what about white people in general? And he said, yeah, because I don't want that to happen to me. 
And that's when Story, his 12-year-old sister, starts crying. That was probably the most uncomfortable hmm. segment of the show. Because think about this, Lisa. So many people had DM'd me, Emmanuel, I'm white, raising black children, but I think I'm inadequate. I don't think I'm capable. There's so much stuff I don't know. And in that moment, I can only imagine these white parents laying their heads in their beds at night wondering, man, I wonder if my black children actually want me. I know I want them. And so I said, you know what? Let me ask this 12-year-old girl. Let me ask this black girl, this beautiful black girl, do you wish you were being raised by black parents? And she said something, Lisa. She said, no, I just want someone who loves me for me. And I felt like in that moment, so many people across the world felt justified, felt fulfilled. So that was the most uncomfortable. And nobody on set was uncomfortable. But I think the world in watching that felt a little... um, not of these. What about the realest answer that you heard during this whole series of conversations? Um, I was doing an interracial episode. Um, Rachel Lindsay, the first black bachelorette. That's my home girl. We um, love her. She's amazing. She uh, is obviously married to Brian, uh, uh, by appearance white. And I was also on that episode with Lindsay Vaughn, white Olympics gold medalist skier, and her fiance, PK Subban, um, again, black Olympic medalist. And And Lindsay was like, man, I'll be honest, some black women feel some type of way about me when they say me with a black man. And I said, Rachel, I knew the answer, but I was like, Rachel, is there anything that Lindsay can do about that? And Rachel kept it 100. She was like, honestly, no, I was that black woman. And like, you really can't except for leave him. And that's when Lindsay was like, well, I can't do that. And Rachel was like, and I wouldn't ask you to. Mm -hmm. That was probably the realest episode because everybody just they kept it a thousand like there was no sugar coating there was just real transparent let's talk about being in an interracial relationship in 2020 before i get to my next question i sort of want to set the scene for people that don't know so acha when's the first time we met we both were like oh you're nigerian i'm nigerian yes i slid in the chanae's dms actually is that what happened yeah but it was on a work tip i okay i did Janae was doing SportsCenter Africa at ESPN. And I knew of her because her and her sister both played in the league. Me and my brother both played in the league. Her and her sister from Texas. My brother and I from Texas. Her sister's older. My brother's older. So essentially, they were trying to be like the Acho family just in, uh, in, in female form, I noticed. And oh, so really? <laughs> Let's play fired. them. Let's play them, but continue. I DM'd you saying like, hey, I see you're doing SportsCenter Africa. You're killing it. Can you put me on? And you didn't even really know me, but you were just like, hey, it's all love, whatever you need. And since then, like, that's just how it was. So you guys met through DMs and Chanae puts you on. So you're saying that Chanae is responsible for (laughs) your success on ESPN? Are you saying that this (laughs) Black woman who did not know you returned a DM, somehow got a call and hooked you up with a job? Are you really saying that? Here's the thing. I won't really say this often, but Chanae knows this. I'm forever indebted to Chanae because she looked out for me. And I am a loyalist, right? I didn't even hear of that term until two weeks ago. But people that show love to me, I forever got their back. But yeah, Chanae put me on. You know, that SportsCenter Africa show, which, you know, to many people, they probably would have been like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to do it. For us, you know, being a part of the diaspora, first generation Nigerian Americans born and raised in the U.S., like this was a great opportunity for us to get our reps, but also to do something for the culture. And so that's where our friendship was born. From there, it's been amazing because like within 365 days, this man has transformed his life. And it's been really cool, too, because he's been doing it in conjunction with his passion and that passion now what we're seeing through uncomfortable conversations is everything, but that's to the essence of who he is. He's been making videos consistently for years now. And I think in our most trying time, now the identity and the personality is revealed for what it is. Like someone that truly cares, that is a great communicator. Someone that just literally, we're in the world of sports. We all care about being on one team and seeing ourselves succeed. So it's been cool to follow the journey. And I appreciate you giving me the respect and the credit that I do deserve. (laughs) So my thoughts are here. When talking about relationships, you guys have a platonic relationship, um, right? Is that, is that safe <laughs> Honestly, that's such a strong word. We are friends. We are family. Like we ride yeah. for each other. Yeah, I like okay, that. Okay, I like so we the, had a family right? relationship. Did you say right? <laughs> no, right? Because my thought is then, how do you have a healthy relationship with a male and female, and you know, keep it one hundred? 
you guys are doing it. How, how does that work? That, that question is to me, I assume, not to Tanae. Yeah, Look at I'm so happy because I can see him blushing. I think he's stumped. Uh, no, I don't get stumped today. <laughs> I think, one, it depends on the foundation, right? So when I hit Tanae, it was genuinely on a, hey, what you're doing is dope. And I respect it and I support it. I, I need your help. And she genuinely was like, hey, it's all love. I think the foundation of it has to be like, hey, I'm supporting you. You're supporting me. And just be clear with like your intentions. Like just be clear with like exactly what time it is. Everybody calibrate mm-hmm. your watches. That's why I don't think it's that complicated if you don't blur lines. But I think if you start blurring lines, oh yeah, it can get, it can get real dicey real quick. And the thing about it is people always assume Janae, like, why aren't you always. and Janae together? Why aren't you and Janae together? Y'all are both Nigerian. Why aren't you and Janae together? And I don't know. We're like, working. We out here busy. <laughs> Like that's the home. Oh, is that the only reason why you guys are not together? Is because you're busy? Pretty much. And like we're sort of the same person. Like we're out here broadcasting and working out. He's broadcasting, working out. And honestly, sometimes it feels better to have someone that knows exactly what you're going through and not mess with that, you know? And so I Mm. think that's helped because in his purview, his primary analysis at times is football, mine is basketball. So we can lean on each other. You know, there's not many people that can give you that perspective that can really help you. Like with me, I can be like, Acho, like, bro, I'm dealing with this dude. Like, tell me what is in your mind, you know, so that I can be enlightened to what he might be thinking. So if you're keeping it really real, if you have a homie of the opposite sex who you're cool with and like y'all ride together, if you jeopardize that, just understand that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like in the event you toy with that, you better get it right. Because there aren't a lot of real ones in the industry. So if you lose a real one for the sake of a relationship and you haven't planned in your head where you want this relationship to go or not go, then you just gave up what you wanted most for what you wanted now. And so like, if you also oh, keep good. it real, like you got to be cognizant of like, okay, is it worth sacrificing this friendship or ambiguity? Do you want this or do you want what's behind door number one? And door number one be scary. So you guys share information in regards to past relationships. Is that correct to say you guys confide in one another? Yeah, I would say so. I feel like also for us, it's a situation where we want to see everybody be great and do great. And I know with his situation, it just is a lot to balance. You know, like we are all young, aspiring people with ambitions. And we also have like small windows to do what we want to do. But also we're like part of this Nigerian culture where like, Every day, parents are saying, where's your husband? Where's your wife? So it's where's like, your wife? we're constantly defending ourselves, you know, trying to make the most of this moment because these windows that were, like, we're getting huge opportunities. Like, Acho went from Longhorn Network to ESPN to, like, our top morning show to now hosting his own show. Me, like, sort of a very similar trajectory, but I was also playing basketball. And so these are highly pressurized moments for us. And I don't think we would ever jeopardize what we're doing now because what we're doing now can set us up for a lifetime. But it's also nice to have someone you can confide in while you're dealing. Like, he'll say something and he's like, man, did you see people are coming at me? And it's nice to have someone like Lisa, you understand, like that can relate to maybe saying (laughs) something and people are coming at you on Twitter. You know, and and it all starts to me on the foundation. Acho mentioned earlier with foundation, we've always been 100% with like, you know, our intentions. But also like anytime we go out to eat, He's always praying over the meal. Like I always say, like, bro, you gonna say words? Like we always joke, but like there just is a, a spiritual grounding that keeps us present and real mm-hmm. and not caught up on the facade of what we are on screen. And I think that's what keeps us focused and in alignment. I, I need to know for a person who, I, you know, I, my, obviously I got disconnected from, from my people, right? So how I got here and how you guys got here, you're still connected to the culture and I mean that in a very sincere way, like that our African culture that a lot of us don't have. What would you say are those values that you guys are looking for in a relationship? That's deep. Um, so what I've realized now is that culture is everything. It's like trying to swim upstream versus trying to swim against the current or trying to swim with the current versus trying to swim against the current. Yeah, downstream Mm -hmm. rather. Marcellus says, my co-host, Lisa, a friend of yours, your experience is your expertise. And so in my experience, if you're with someone who doesn't necessarily understand your culture, then it's going to be like trying to swim against the current because you're trying to explain to them why you have to go to Nigeria during Christmas. And it's like, wait, why do you have to leave the country? And it's like, no, 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 you you don't understand. That's just what we do. Like you're trying to explain to them like, 
wait, so why do we have to invite 500 people to our wedding? And it's like, no, 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 it's, it's just what we do. Wait, but you don't know this person. Why did you just call them auntie, auntie and uncle? No, it's, okay, they're not actually my aunt. It's just what we do. And so I think, Lisa, that culturally, if you're on the same page and same wavelength, it makes things easier relationally. Mm-hmm. I think there is, there's Nigerian culture and I think there's black culture because black people's cult, black, when I say black, I mean black American. Um, as opposed to Nigerian American, which you could say Chanae and I are, black culture and Nigerian culture are just different. Um, and so I, I understand Nigerian culture, obviously, I understand black culture. But even as far as Nigerian culture, like if, if your mom and dad come to live with you when you're married, like that's not necessarily what you see in white culture. You can't go to Nigeria and see a retirement home, Lisa. Like <laughs> them joints don't exist. Retirement home after your parents get older, they move into your house. Um, specifically like the oldest daughter's house. Say you're a Nigerian woman and you're the oldest daughter and you're married to a white man. Well, there's going to be a rub when your parents want to move in with you, but the white dude is like, whoa, hold on now. I'm not familiar with that. (laughs) And so that's relationally, I just think there are some cultural obstacles that you will just have to hop if you're with somebody who doesn't understand your culture and vice versa. And of course, you know, like we understand this, but like that doesn't mean we're limiting ourselves to Nigerians only. I think that's the beauty. I always say like being Nigerian American is having the best of both worlds. We have, you know, the Nigerian fearless determination to make it combined with the boundless opportunity of America. But, you know, we brought you here to talk about all the amazing things that you've done with Uncomfortable Conversations. I've had a front row seat and it's been super fun to see you glow. And I say, like, go get all the bags so that we can share the bags. But, um, (laughs) you know, I just want to sort of wrap this up because we are friends and we worked and you, you know, I said like we're family just because we've been through it and we've stuck through it. I don't see that changing at all. But you people may be like becoming, you know, introduced to you now, but like there's a subset of people that have heard your names and seen you on social media, you know, especially based on your previous relationship. How would you address that situation? Because I know you haven't talked about it, but like, that's one thing, like being a part of this Nigerian culture is really like, especially in America, the diaspora, we all root for one another and we all root for each other. And I feel like just publicly putting that out there is also another sign of, you know, what the vibes really are. Yeah, I I guess I was thrust into the Hollywood world maybe two years ago in a very public relationship. And I just think that, again, Nigerian culture is Nigerians, black people and Nigerians really want to see Nigerians with Nigerians. And whenever that occurs, it's like, everybody stopped the music. Did you just see what happened? When I posted that picture with Janae a year ago, prior to gaining all this new following, it was my most liked picture. Um, because it's just people are ready to jump on the bandwagon of cultural affection, so to speak. For me, Janae, it was a learning experience, obviously, because myself and my platform way different now than it was then. Uh, don't really regret anything, but it, it's really taught me a lot just about public life versus private life and how to navigate both. So, Emmanuel, before we let you go, we want to ask you a few uh, rapid fire questions. <laughs> so don't think too long on it. We've been on the spot. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. A, a good foundation. Remember what he said a good foundation. You always want to start out as friends. Don't worry. We won't put you out there. First question is, what book is on your nightstand? Easy. Uh, well, my own book, Uncomfortable Conversations <laughs> with a Black Man, pre-ordered uncomfortablecombos.com. But also, um, Oprah sent me this book called Castle, which I need to read. Excuse me, not Castle. Cast. Um, cast. Cast. Cast, yes. which I, is a must-read. I heard about that. I actually saw that. you have, And by the way, Oprah, he hasn't read it yet because it was like still crispy. So just chill, 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 chill. Um, Stop snitching. Asho, what is your biggest splurge? Cars and watches. I'm a huge Rolex guy. Okay, what are the three things your eight-year-old self would have in your pocket? Because of my parents, probably one of those only New Testament Bibles, like the super small square ones. Um, For sure would have had one of them. Probably the green cover, too. For sure would have had that. (laughs) Would have had a Tootsie Roll Pop, trying to see how many licks it took to get to the center. (laughs) And I'm going to say some spare change. What is a talent that no one else knows you're good at? But I think some people know you're good at. I know where your answer is going to be, but like most people don't know. Um, everybody, well, not everybody. A lot of people know I play the piano. Some people know that I sing. I can say the alphabet backwards. Now, really? go, go. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-H-G-F-E-D-C-V-A. 
Um, Why did you learn that? No, we gotta push pause. <laughs> Why did you learn the alphabets backwards? I need to know that story. Good gracious. In sixth grade, my history teacher had the Guinness Book of World Records for being able to say the alphabet backwards the fastest. And really? so when I, yeah, when I was in sixth grade, I learned the alphabet backwards. And then I heard when you take a sobriety test, sometimes they'll make you take the alphabet backwards. Now in sixth grade, I didn't realize I was never gonna drink because I still haven't drank yet. But I was like, in the event right. I'm ever drunk and I need to pass sobriety test, it'll help to be able to know the alphabet backwards. So Wait, hold I just on. It. Did you just wow. say you never drank? You knew that, Janae. I mean, I kind of forget it because we never drink. We, we, we're not like that. <laughs> why, 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 have, why did you make that decision? I never drank. First, it was probably spiritual. Then I got to college, big time university of Texas, but I was always a dude who never drank. So I became the guy that never drank. And so I just stuck with it. And now that I'm pushing 30, I still haven't drank. So I'm like, what's the point? We have done such an amazing job of just, we appreciate you coming, stopping by, opening up your heart, explaining to us about uh, your show, which is again, amazing. Shanae, tell him about his book, please, because we want to make sure people go out yes. and purchase his book. It is Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. It is out November 10th. Go and pre-order right now. Thank you so much for coming on. You're so lucky that you have so many things to do because the next question was, who was the last person you kissed <laughs> on the right side? <laughs> so you, you scooted out at the right time. Not my guilt. It was not us. Here we go. But, <laughs> but Antra, I appreciate you so much. You've been such a good friend to me and you're meeting my mentor. She is the boss. And just having you two in my life has helped me so much. So I feel immensely grateful because I know your time literally is money these days and I'm lucky that you're doing this for free. <laughs> Janae, appreciate you more than you know, always will, always have. Lisa, genuinely looked up to you since you were on Sister Sister back in like oh, 19... <laughs> 98 or something. Emmanuel, um, Emmanuel. Hey, hey, don't put the year so, in. So, look, so <laughs> looked, up, looked up to you since then. So in all honesty, like, uh, it's an honor, Lisa, to be on with you, Janae. Love you forever, my friend. Thank you. I look forward to meeting you in person, too, when the world opens back up. Stay safe. Oh, God bless you. Of course. You. Thanks, Acho. Yeah, bye. Man, that went by so fast. That is our show. Make sure all of y'all, yes, you, make sure you guys subscribe to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And let us know what you think of our show. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up at Lisa Leslie on Twitter. Yes, and I'm at Chanae, C-H-I-N-E-Y, 321 on Twitter as well. You can text me. You can go to my social media page and text me as well. Or send us an email at front and center at bluewirepods.com. That's front and center at bluewirepods.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.